Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. Thank you so much for listening today. We've got a great show coming up. Our guest today is Kat Jamie, who is the documentary filmmaker behind Finding Big Country, about her search for former Vancouver Grizzlies, Bryant Big Country Reeves. And before we get into the interview, just a quick reminder that you can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast on Twitter at Hoops and Talks, and you can subscribe to the show in the Blazers Edge podcast feed on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. And I got an icebreaker to get us going this morning. Um, I'm wondering, because you're a filmmaker and you've just put out this amazing documentary, I want to know, do you have a favorite sports movie of all time, Tara and Kat? Oh man, I have. Uh, there's too many, too many to think of. But uh, one of I love anything you know. ESPN puts out uh, ESPN 30 for 30 is one of my favorite, and uh, one of my favorite uh, from that series is the the Fab Five. That documentary. Oh. I, I, can't, I don't even know how many times I've so watched good. it. So many times. Yeah. That's, That's such like... a great one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I have um, a not a very highbrow favorite one <laughs> because it was my kids' favorite when they were growing up. It's not Space Jam, which everyone uh, thinks I'm going to. I was going to, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's a lovely movie, but we weren't really very into cartoons when the kids were little, so they just that just wasn't like their favorite thing. So yeah. I like. Airbud Golden Receiver. Now, Airbud the original was okay, but it was really with Airbud Golden Receiver that I felt like they really hit their stride <laughs> with that franchise. So my kids loved that. It was about a golden retriever that played football. He also played uh, basketball, and then he went on to also be a world pup and a couple other things. <laughs> but yeah, so Airbud is one of my favorite. But I also do love the thirty for thirty documentary, and I loved. Um, the one about Drazen Petrovic, and I think it was called Oh Yes Once Brothers. Yeah. Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, Once mm-hmm. Brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was Those are my good. favorite. All right, and now I need to watch the. Uh, I, I mean, I, I Airbud, the original one, was one of my favorites as a kid. I haven't seen Golden Receiver, so I'll put that on my list. No, I have not either. I'm gonna need to do that. Yeah, I am also did not pick a very you know fancy uh, sports <laughs> movie, but my favorite movie of all time, just hands down, is Cool Runnings. Uh, so it's going in my favorite sports movie. I forever and always will love Cool Runnings. I've probably seen it a hundred times, but when it comes to 30 for 30s, I love the one about Sean Elliott for sure. That's one of my favorites. There's, you know, sports, they make, they, they make really good movies. And what's interesting, one of the reasons I like sports is because you never know what's going to happen, but the exception is sports movies because in sports movies you pretty much always know what's going to happen <laughs> yeah but uh, oh miracle is another one of my favorite i love that one, one about the uh hockey team oh yes 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 i know yes i that one is also very good so classic 
Well, I have, I'm super excited to have you on, Kat, because um, I've already watched the documentary Finding Big Country three times. Um, <laughs> I found it wonderful and so fun as a sports fan. I related to it on a million different levels. Um, but before we get into talking about the, about the documentary, I'm wondering if you could just introduce yourself and tell us how you got into basketball. For sure. So um, I'm a filmmaker, uh, you know, born and based in, in Vancouver, BC. Um, and I've been playing basketball ever since I was, you know, five or six years old. I had an, I have an older brother and I wanted to be exactly like him. So when he, you know, he went through a stage of liking baseball, I liked baseball. He went through a stage of liking hockey. I liked hockey. And then he started playing, you know, basketball. Um, and that's when I really fell in love with the game. And it was just something that came super naturally to me. Um, and, uh, then a few years later after that, so maybe I started playing when I was five and then when I was six or seven, the Grizzlies, the Vancouver Grizzlies, um, came to town and it just cemented my love for the game and really inspired and fueled, um, my passion and my, and started really my obsession with basketball and with my love for the Grizzlies. So that's, that's how it, you know, it all kind of started and came about. And tell us about Finding Big Country and how you got the idea for this amazing project. Um, so I'm uh, I'm a filmmaker as well. So I love basketball. Two passions, basketball and filmmaking. Uh, I went to film school at the University of British Columbia. And I uh, always had, you know, you know, there's filmmakers will always have sort of one or two, three stories that they, you know, really want to tell um, during their career and this the story of the Grizzlies was just something that I always wanted to do and I I always thought that there was you know something interesting about their story that uh, and I knew someone was going to tell it and that person had to be me and so when I was doing my preliminary research about the team I started every article that I read about the Grizzlies this was about in 2015 when I started my research um, every article ended with you know the only you know, the only grizzly that we haven't been able to track down is, is big country and no one knows where big country is and no one's heard of him. And so I said, Hey, like this is, you know, this is my, this will be the angle that I take. Um, it's perfect because Bryant was one of my favorite players, uh, if not my favorite player growing up. So it, it sort of, um, all the puzzle pieces were sort of coming together to create the best, you know, to create this wonderful story. Um, so so yeah, so that's uh, that was sort of the genesis of the film. So we have no, you know, we're Blazer fans and located in the Pacific Northwest, and you know, remember the time when the Grizzlies were around. And we have a lot of listeners, I think, who are longtime fans. So who were some of the players that you remember from the Grizzlies that really stood out? And then why do you think Bryant Reeves was your favorite? For sure. I mean, oh man, like Blue Edwards, Greg Anthony. You know, obviously, like Sharif and Bibby. There's Cherokee Parks. Um, you know, there is uh, Felipe Lopez, Michael Diggerson, um, Brent Price, uh, Pete Chilka. There's yeah, there's a, a whole bunch of, of players that I remember, you know, yelling and cheering for whenever they scored. But I guess Big Country. I knew as a kid he was our star player. Like that's what he was really marketed as. He was our franchise player. He had the coolest nickname. Um, he's the biggest player on the court. And I, you know, when you're seven, you don't forget, like, you don't forget that. It, he really mm -hmm. made it a, a big impression on me. So, yeah, so that, that's, uh, <clears throat> that, that's why uh, I'd say he's my, uh, he really <laughs> is my favorite player, or was when I was a kid. And, and, and rightly so, you know, turned out to be, um, to live up to all my expectations. 
And what are some of the most memorable things that happened in the process of making the film for you? Um, I guess, you know, getting to getting to really meet and talk to those who work for the Grizzlies, whether that be players, uh, coaches, um, you know, the team mascot. You know, I went to a lot of games as a kid, but I never was never, you know, never sat courtside, never met and or bumped into any players. You know, I had a lot of friends who would bump into players at the mall or would see big country, you know, at Safeway, but that was never my experience. And so, you know, I always, you know, wanted to be a ball girl, for example, never got that, that chance, but, uh, but, you know, 20 plus years later, um, I've, you know, been able to meet those who, you know, brought the team back to Vancouver and have been able to thank them for that and, you know, tell them that, you know, how important it was to me as a kid and how it shaped my life. So I think that's, you know, that was, that's been one of the most rewarding parts of making it is, you know, becoming friends and, and with, with those who work for the team and with those who helped bring the team to Vancouver. Oh, I was wondering, has it brought you, have you, have you met any other fans who have been just like oh, yeah. diehard fans that totally. like, were, yeah. And has that been, been yeah, a fun experience? That's been, that's been so much fun. Um, and we're actually, you know, uh, we're making, not that all my films will be about the Grizzlies, but the next film is actually the future film about the Vancouver Grizzlies and what happened. And, um, you know, we, uh, thanks to finding a country, I found a whole cast of, of diehard fans. Like I'm not the only <laughs> obsessed diehard fan who's still heartbroken that the Grizzlies left. There are so many uh, like me out there who, you know, um, who are just as obsessed and just as heartbroken. So it's been, that's also been a really great uh, experience is getting to meet all these other Grizzlies fans. Have you had memorable reactions from other fans who were? Uh, for, yeah, for uh, I think one of my, um, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite moments was I, in the film in the opening uh, sequence. There's a man, gentleman with a the cool, crazy mustache, and he says something like, "Yeah, he was a stiff," talking about Bryant, um, putting him down. And um, during our second screening of Friend in Big Country, I was doing a Q and A. So I'm I'm walking. The, the film finishes. I'm walking down to the stage and some someone grabbed my hand and I was like who's who is this like who's who's grabbing my hand and it was that gentleman and he said you know like I'd like to retract my statement <laughs> which is a really really uh really cool um really cool moment and a really cool thing for him to say because that was one of my goals with this film is to really shed light on you know how much uh you know how amazing Brian's story was and and you know he before Finding Made Country I will say that he was you know one of the two names or if not the name that, that would get up get brought up the most as to you know why the team left and and when I started doing my research I started to realize more and more like how how great his story was and like how special he was like how he actually had a legend in Vancouver and I wanted you know Vancouverites to to realize that so that was uh, that was a special moment for um uh during that screening and one of my favorite um surprising moments with with an audience member that's awesome it that means like you you really got through <laughs> guess. yeah yeah you definitely got you definitely uh, got through to me <laughs> that's I, awesome I'm not sure like um I'm do you do we want to give away like what happens in the end about whether or not you find him or should we <laughs> leave that for people to find out on their own <laughs> 
uh, up to you guys. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I can go either way. <laughs> what do you think, Cassidy? Well, I definitely, I want to hear about what it was like maybe well, when let's... you did finally meet him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just, right. let's just, let's just give it away. I, yeah. What was that like? Oh, it was, uh, it was really, really special. Um, he, again, like he lived up to, you know, all my expectations, you know, there's that saying like, never meet your childhood hero. And I always say like, there's an addendum to that. Never meet your childhood hero unless, you know, they're Bryant Reeves. Cause he, um, <laughs> you know, he was such a, you know, so humble, so kind, um, and so giving of his time. Like, I think as a documentary filmmaker, like I was really spoiled with the type of access and time that, you know, a subject was willing to, to give me. Um, usually, you know, subjects aren't, you know, they might, you know, they might be welcoming and, and, you know, um, forthcoming and whatnot, but, but to be like, so for example, um, we stayed on, we, we hung out with Brian for five days. We stayed in the Airbnb wow. and would come back every morning at 6am. Um, and Brian would already be out working on his ranch and his wife, April, who's also so kind would buzz us in, um, into their house and, you know, pretty much anything that I asked Bryant to do, like, Hey, Bryant, can you take me, you know, ranching? Sure. Can we play basketball together? Sure. We were, we wanted to actually go fishing, but we didn't have time to do that. But he said yes to that. And I'm sure if we had time, he would have done that, uh, with me as well. So he was just, you know, so much fun to, to hang out with. And, you know, um, you know, you, there are some moments that make it into the film when you, when you hear him ask about me, um, and, you know, that happened many times when he, you know, he, he was just as, um, just as, you know, curious and, um, interested to know, like to learn more about me as I was, you know, there to learn about him, which is really nice. Um, and my crew and I, there are just three of us as myself, my producer, my cinematographer, we wanted to keep it really, a really small crew. You know, we ended up having such a great time with him and, and his friends and his family. Yeah, I loved when he was asking you about your story, too. <clears throat> that was just yeah. a really a special moment in the documentary. And I'm mm. kind of wondering, what did you learn about yourself through this pro project? Oh, man, it was just it was just so cool to see how, um, you know, how you can really morph uh, your different passions um, into something and combine them into something that's unique and that's, you know, kind of personalized and tailored to you. And, and it was just really cool to see after all these years, how, um, your dreams can change and, and maybe they can change into something better and, and bigger than what you had originally, um, planned or, or, or thought you wanted. So that was actually the, and I will say that, you know, I, without trying to give too much away, you know, I didn't make this film to get closure. Um, uh, for my basketball career, I got that closure, you know, um, after I had got cut from the UBC women's team, I actually, you know, um, the coach, uh, head coach of the team was, was generous and kind enough to invite me to scrimmage with the team after in the summer. And it was really, that was really um, a difficult thing for me to do. Cause I knew that everyone on the team knew that I was that person who got cut and that like, that's all they knew about me. And so it was really hard to like, kind of, show up but I, I did and that was sort of that's to me that's how I transformed my like I, what I call my biggest failure into my proudest moment and so when I was doing you know when I wanted to make the film about the Grizzlies that's where this inspiration came like they were we were the worst team in the NBA 
Okay. Um, but they still showed up every game knowing that the, you know, the, the cards are stacked against them. And so that's why that's actually, um, where I, I drew my inspiration from was, was my similar story with, with basketball, with the Vancouver Grizzlies, um, and Brian's story as well, like kind of the story of the underdog. Um, and, um, and so, um, yeah, so that was, that was also part of the inspiration of, of why I wanted to tell the film. And um, that was, uh, you know, you know, being able to, again, transform my dream of playing a professional basketball, you know, that didn't happen, but I was able to, 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 you know, switch it up and, and morph my passion with, or, or combine my passion with basketball with my passion for filmmaking um, and create something that, uh, you know, wasn't my original dream, but, you know, I would say that it's a lot better or, you know, I, it, it's, just as good or even better as my as what I had dreamed of as a kid. Oh, that's so cool. One, <laughs> of the, one of the things that I really loved about about the show, um, it was like just what you were addressing is you know how you talked about like sort of success and failure are kind of different and how whatever lens you're viewing them through is you know kind of d- just depends. But one of the other things that really resonated with me and I thought was so interesting is how different you are from Bryant Reeves. You know, you're yes. very, very different. So for people who haven't, maybe could you tease a little bit about, um, you know, the differences sure. and like kind of what that meant to you as you were making the film? Totally. I mean, like, that's why it's such a funny, like, even when you see our poster, <laughs> it's just him and I side by like that kind of just like captures everything. Like, it's just... <laughs> On, like when you see us together on screen, it's so funny because we literally come from such opposite worlds and, and like, and it's so visually apparent, <laughs> you know, I'm a <laughs> Filipina, Canadian, female, Asian, um, you know, uh, athlete and, and filmmaker. And Bryant is, you know, a seven foot, uh, you know, um, Southern, uh, you know, farmer, uh, American who's, just yeah, so like we're just polar opposites in every way possible, um, and which was which is you know it's so that's why it, you know people do have such a good time uh, watching us interact on screen because we do come from such opposite worlds. Um, so yeah, so you know, uh, but at the same time, like we are very similar in the sense that you know we both love basketball, both are passionate about you know Brian was passionate is passionate about um, ranching. Um, I'm passionate about filmmaking, and so that's also where our um, our stories kind of align as well. Um, so, since the Grizzlies moved out of Vancouver, do you still do you still follow the team? No, <laughs> that's uh, blasphemous. Um, no, I'm. Uh, there's a, a bunch of you know Vancouver Grizzlies fans that are still. We can't we can't cheer the Memphis Grizzlies on. It's it's just too painful. Um, you know, a lot of people. You know, yeah, I think in their 10th year of the, you know, of the Grizzlies franchise, you know, um, operating, uh, is when they made the playoffs. So four years after they left Vancouver, um, the, you know, the Grizzlies made the playoffs and that could have been the Vancouver Grizzlies if they had stuck around like six years is a pretty short time for a franchise, especially when, you know, um, with the rules that the NBA slapped on us. So, um, I don't think we were given a fair chance and, and we needed those extra years to build the team and we just weren't given that. And I, I so wish we had a team. Like when the Grizzlies left, um, I became a, Steve Nash became my my next, you know, um, 
my my idol and my bedroom became a Steve Nash shrine. Like in high school, I had newspaper clippings. I, you know, the Dallas Mavericks were my favorite team at one point because, you know, Dallas, I mean, sorry, Dirk and, and Finley and, and Nash I have. I still probably have the poster somewhere in my in my closet. Um, and then when he played for Phoenix, Phoenix became my team. And then when he retired, like I don't, I haven't, um, I haven't really found a team to cheer on. I would say, you know, for sure Toronto, cause, you know, they're, they're a Canadian team. Boston, just because that's my dad's favorite team, but uh, but uh, have not been able to um, to shoot. Uh, sorry, to uh, to cheer on the Grizzlies. May I offer a franchise that oh, is full yes. of lovely, wonderful players? Totally, <laughs> yes. the Trailblazers. You know what? I, I yeah. I, uh, I, there's no need to to sell that uh, too hard because I'm already a, a huge fan. I was just uh, I was invited by. Um, by uh, one of the members of the organization, uh, John, who who watched Finding Big Country and loved it, invited and invited my team and I out to a game, and you know, really showed us uh, such a, uh, an amazing time, um, and uh, you know, invited us, and we got to meet some of the players. You know, met Dame, who was super nice, and we went on to the the court, took a few photos, and I I told John that I had never, you know, as, as a kid, I was I, I'd never. Um, I'd never been on uh, the the basketball court, an NBA basketball court, and I had never shot uh, or dribbled on the court, but I'd always wanted to. And so he told, he was like, "Okay, just just wait here." And he disappeared, and he came back with two basketballs, and and he was just like, he just you know gave me <laughs> kind of free reign to shoot around and dribble, and it was just oh man, it was a dream come true. So um, a huge huge Portland Trailblazers fan, and uh, I will definitely be cheering them on um, in the playoffs. Nice, and also well, you guys are yeah you guys are you know it's uh, the closest ones to us really. Um, you know Seattle used to be I used to drive down to Seattle with my dad and my grandfather um, when when they were still here, and then I you know I've I've watched the, uh, sorry so I watched the Grizzlies the Memphis Grizzlies game um, last week, and that was my fourth Portland game since it's so close. I mean not so close, but it's the closest yeah. it's the closest uh, city to us. So I, you know. There are a lot of uh, Vancouver fans who have become Portland fans because of that. Did your work on the film um, change at all, like how you felt about like and the NBA or NBA stars or anything like that? Um, I mean, yeah, like I've, I've, you know, through Finding My Country, I've, I've, you know, been in touch with a few other Vancouver Grizzlies and uh, members, and I'm trying to, you know find and reach out, uh, more. And, um, yeah, no, it's been, it's been, uh, such a, a great, um, a great experience to, to meet all my childhood heroes. Um, and, you know, um, try not to fangirl too hard when I'm like talking to them, which is difficult. And even like when finding a country, like I'm, I'm trying to keep it cool the entire time, but inside I'm like freaking out. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I I was when I was watching the documentary, and I was kind of wondering, like, where on moments of your life does playing one on one with big country like oh, yeah. rank? Uh, I, I, it's <laughs> crazy. Like, I still can't believe that happened. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, I don't even. It definitely it's high up there for sure. Um, it's the whole experience is still super surreal to me. Like, I I don't know, I don't know how that all happened. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> such a dream. Yeah. Well, so you teased a little bit about something, an upcoming project. What, what do you, what can you tell us about what you're working on? 
Sure. So my team and I, um, the team that, you know, brought you Finding Big Country, we're now working on the, which is what I always wanted to do, actually. I always wanted to make, to tell the, the full story of what happened to the Vancouver Grizzlies. So, you know, getting into, you know, why they left and, um, you know, all that, all that, the, the mystery behind, behind what happened. So we're, we're really delving in and, um, and uh, that's the, that's the next major project that we're working on. So Cassidy, you know how like we, I think we just talked about this last week briefly about, you know, the Sonics leaving Seattle, like, around here people always talk about the sonics leaving seattle but i don't hear much talk about the grizzlies leaving so i don't even really know the circumstances under which the the grizzlies left so can you like is it possible to do a synopsis because <laughs> well, i don't even really know well, that, that's uh the seattle I story mean, is so like ubiquitous yeah well that's that, that's kind of the um the inspiration behind this story is because not like everyone will have, you know, there are conspiracy theories. There are, there are so many different, um, you know, people blame so many different things and there's not, there's not a concrete story. There's not one story that's like, this is what happened. Um, and so, so yeah, so we're, we're going to get to the bottom of it. So it's still, you know, it is, um, not confusing, but there are a lot of different, you know, factors that there there are a lot of factors that play into it but there are a lot of people who blame you know certain people uh, certain certain factors um you know one of the things that was really difficult was that we because we were an expansion team there were a lot of rules that were um you know uh placed against us um because prior to the last the 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 previous expansion prior to the grizzlies was the orlando magic and the Orlando Magic got the two number one draft picks two years in a row. They got Shaq and they got Penny. So a lot of GMs were really upset about that because, you know, that was unfair, et cetera, et cetera. So when the NBA expanded again um, to, can- to Canada this time with the Toronto Raptors and the Vancouver Grizzlies, they slapped on a bunch of rules, uh, one of which was we weren't allowed a first-round uh, first draft pick for the first three years. And the first year we weren't allowed the top five. So that's why we got, you know, Bryant Reeves number, at number six. Number five was Kevin Garnett. Um, so, you know, had we not had these, all these rules uh, placed against us, you know, it would have been a different story for sure. Mm-hmm. But that's just like one of the factors. Yeah. So they said that you couldn't have the number one pick. Yeah. Wow. For the first few years. Yeah. Wow. So that Seems like was, such um, a crazy thing to put on a, a brand new franchise exactly. that probably could use a number one pick probably more than any other franchise in the league yeah. at the time. Yes. And like, um, we had a team full of, you know, so the expansion drafts so of the Grizzlies for the first year, um, our team was, so every team got to, I think it was like save 10 players and they could, they could throw out two in their arena. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to pick from that, mm-hmm. from their leftovers. So the Grizzlies were really a team of like, you know, uh, us, um, you know, second, you know, second picks from every team, like the, 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 la- the bottom two of all the, of all the, the teams. And that's what we had to, to build from. Um, so that's why, yeah, it was, it was really difficult to succeed at the beginning, but we all knew, like everyone knows that it takes time to build an expansion team, mm-hmm. but six years isn't enough and they were taken too soon. Yeah. yeah. Boy, I, so miss the the i5 rivalry and you know yeah <laughs> portland's all alone out here right now yeah I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah 
I would love to see Vancouver get a team, even if it's for selfish reasons, because I just love Vancouver. I would yeah. I would go to games there. I would I would I would go up for every Blazer game for sure. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it would. Seattle would be such a great thing to have Seattle, Portland, and and Vancouver. Do you? Uh, so it sounds like you uh, don't. Since the Grizzlies left, you haven't really settled on one team. Although you're now going to be joining Rip City yes. and becoming a Portland Trail fan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, have you uh, still been watching? You know the NBA this season and anything stand out? Do you th- any stories that you thought were particularly interesting this season? I mean, I'm just, I'm, you know, it's so cool to see where Toronto um, has come, um, you know, because especially because we were both expansion teams um, and we came into the league together and just to see, you know, how, you know, you know, perfect example of a franchise that did, you know, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, Toronto's really bad as well, like in the very beginning, like, you know, it was Vancouver and Toronto that struggled, um, but with a few, you know, you know, better draft picks or, or, you know, for example, Vince Carter, who, you know, even a lot of the Grizzlies players will say like Carter was, and, and Carter effect, which is another great documentary by, you know, my friend, uh, Sean Menard, um, you know, really captures what, what Carter did for the city. And, you know, I, I spoken to, you know, Grizzlies players who said, you know, they, a lot of our players didn't play above the rim and Vince Carter did. And that's what, what, you know, electrified the city and brought, you know, um, you know, made the team what they what they are and, and made people, you know, want to be a Toronto Raptors. You know, I think Kevin Durant said that as a kid, um, you know, growing up, he wanted to play for the Raptors because of, you know, Vince Carter. And, you know, when you have a player like that on your team, you know, they really uh, change things. And, and unfortunately, we didn't have necessarily a player that was, you know, that could electrify the city and, and, and a team like that. Um, and um, so, yeah, so I think Toronto Raptors, it's just, you know, it's, it's just so awesome to see, you know, where they, where they are now and, and how good they've become. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely, um, you know, besides the, the trailblazers, I, you know, I will say that uh, the Raptors are, you know, a team that I, I definitely am cheering for, even though, there is a part of me that I that is somewhat uh, bitter that that Toronto has a team and we don't, but mm-hmm. but for sure definitely need to um, to to cheer on our my you know Canadian um, counterpart and, and our and our, our only team right now in the NBA. So the Blazers can be your West Coast team or your Western Conference yeah, team, and true, then the Raptors true. are your Canadian team. True. True. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been so much fun talking to you. And uh, for listeners who have not seen the documentary, we'll for sure include the link. And it's like, it's just a wonderful, it's like 45 minutes long. And it's just, I got, I enjoyed it so much. So thank oh. you so much for making it. No, yeah. thank you so much for, for having me on the show and for watching the film. And it was, uh, no, this is, a, it's a pleasure to to talk to you guys today. Yeah, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be able to relate to it because I know Tara and I both really related in a lot of ways to it. And so I'm excited to hear from everyone else in Rip City who gets the chance to uh, watch it. Uh, Yes, thank you. Can you tell people how to find and follow your work? For sure. So, um, you know, so Finding the Country is online on YouTube, so you can watch it there. Um, you can subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, we, we are doing a bunch of upcoming shows and a lot of Q and A's coming up, or if you want to bring finding the country to your, if you're a teacher, um, 
you know, we can bring it to your school um, or if you want to uh, have a screening in your hometown, that can happen as, as well. Um, you know, we've been uh, doing a bunch of these sort of screenings where, you know, fans have been reaching out to us and we've been setting up, uh, you know, bringing, bringing Finding My Country to your school or to your theater um, and or, or going online to uh, findingbigcountry.com, signing up for a newsletter. Um, and then you can follow us on social media, Twitter at Finding Big C, Instagram and Facebook at Finding Big Country. Um, and yeah, just, uh, just follow our, our journey and, and, and get more information about the next, uh, Grizzlies documentary that's coming out as well. Wonderful. And if there are listeners who watch it or who have seen it and want to, uh, write into us to tell us what they, um, enjoyed about it or what they walked away with it, I would, uh, I would love to hear it. Cause, uh, you know, these, these projects about sports fans, I think are so interesting because they kind of just, they highlight that sports is just, is more about the actual game. It's about mm-hmm. the people who play the game and about the people who love and enjoy the game. And I thought your mm-hmm. the movie really just captured that. Thank you. And speaking of emails, Cassidy, guess what? We got an email um, from uh... one of our listeners. So let's go ahead and share <laughs> that. This one is from Lisa. And she says, hi, Tara and Cassidy. I am so glad you added email. I'm a woman who loves basketball. A huge fan specifically of the NBA and specifically of the Blazers. She said, back on the podcast where you brought up the headbands, I wanted to say that actually the tie headbands have been worn by Nike tennis players for a long time. Nadal, Federer, etc. And that's all for now. Thanks for your great work on the podcast. So Lisa, thank you so much for writing in. Um, Kat, how do you feel about headbands in the NBA? Are you a fan? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wore a headband as a kid. I mean, and yeah, uh, and I still do because I, I, you know, hair going into the eyes is not as <laughs> no, especially when it's, you know, there's a lot of sweat, you know, you got to mm-hmm. get, you got to take that uh, stuff out. So it doesn't, uh, you know, uh, distort your vision when you're playing. <laughs> Cassie, exactly. pretty sure how you feel about um, headbands. I love headbands pretty much more than almost anything. Uh, and I'm glad that I have now been further educated about my love of headbands from Lisa. So I'm I'm excited and I hope to see more of the tie headbands. We actually saw a few in Denver by Portland players. So yay, headbands. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Mo Harkless has moved on to a tie headband. So Kat, we have the player on our team, Mo Harkless, who um has had sort somewhat of an up and down career. He has he typically at the end of the season really turns it on and plays really great, but then he's kind of quiet at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And this year, he like flipped the switch and it happened to coincide with wearing headbands. So we have headband <laughs> That's or, awesome. And now, yeah, and then the last game he wore a tie headband. So we're super excited to see where this leads. <laughs> Very cool. I'm on board, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks again, Kat, for joining us. It was uh, wonderful to talk to you. That's going to do it for us on this episode. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at TCBBigs. Cassidy, do you want to take us out of here? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cassidy Gemmett with two M's. You can follow the Hoops uh, Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. And don't forget, you can email us at hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. We love emails. Well, thanks again, Kat. And we hope to talk to you after you make your next movie all about what happened to the Vancouver Grizzlies. Yes, can't wait to be back. Thanks again for having me.